Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. South Africa. What a great honor and a joy and a delight it is for Rob and I to be preaching into five churches this morning, into Highway Christian Community, into Dwell Church, into Edwaleni Church, into Tribe Ramsech and Tribe Parais. Isn't that great? This is a new day. This is a new life, a new beginning, and new hope because Jesus has risen. Death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. And so we now are partakers of this divine resurrection life. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And we just want to say we love you, South Africa. And we know that you are going to make it through this COVID-19 with great sense of triumph and victory because, you know, COVID is temporary, but the kingdom of God and what is inside of you is eternal, unshakable. And so it's our delight for us to be with you today and get ready now for the word of God coming to you live. Yay, all the way from Hong Kong. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, well, last week, so welcome, everybody. Welcome from South Africa. Welcome. It's such an honor to have you here today. Well, last week, yeah, we preached on faith. We, we answered the questions, why is faith so important? What is faith? How does faith operate? And whose faith are we operating in? Your faith or the faith of the believing one. We're operating in the faith of the Son of God. For we were crucified with Him, and the life we live now is united one with Christ, and we live by the faith of the Son of God. And His faith is operating in us. So nobody should be surprised to hear this statement. I know it's not politically correct, and it's not mean. It's actually revelation that's so important. God's miracle power does not move to where there are needs. God's miracle power moves to where there is faith. God's miracle power doesn't move to morality, and it doesn't move to people who believe they deserve it. God's miracle power moves to where there is faith. Morality or needs do not move God. Faith pleases God. Faith moves God. And so in the resurrection, it's an activation for Christians, believers in Christ, not to be stuck not to get stagnant at a, at a level. Because, you see, traditions of men want to get us stuck with religious calendars or stuck with ideas of traditions, of legalism. But actually the resurrection is an invitation to keep growing higher and higher into levels of the supernatural demonstration of God. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> amen. I can hear you all saying amen from South Africa and across Hong Kong. So one of the symptoms or the signs of getting stuck is we become conscious only of what we do not have, and we forget what we do have. And you see, when we become conscious of what we have in the resurrection, then very soon we will gain what we do not have. So Peter and John were walking down the road in Jerusalem in Acts 3, and there was a crippled beggar. And when I say crippled, I don't mean necessary uh, 
in my illustration crippled psych- uh, physically. I mean, in any sort of way, whatever gets us stuck in our walk with God and makes us stationary and stale, I would call that the crippling effect of religion, of religious traditions, of oppression. And they find a man who's stuck. He's crippled. He's laid at the gate beautiful every day by men who bring him there. And at the end of the day, they take him home and he begs. And, he's, and he begs them for money. And Peter fastens his eye on the man that's stuck. And he says, silver and gold we do not have. But what we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man walks. Silver and gold we do not have. But what we do have, we give to you. What did they have? They had resurrection power through their mortal body. The entire body was energized and saturated with living resurrection power. They knew and had consciousness what they had. Such as we have, we give to you. We don't have silver and gold, but we have resurrection power. Get up and no longer be stuck and walk and move on further in life. That's Acts 3. The very next chapter, the very next chapter, just a little while later, there is piles of silver and gold at Peter and John's feet. People piled silver and gold there, and they were able to supply and distribute to people that have need. You see, they were conscious of what they had, supernatural, resurrection power, not a date in a calendar, not a day that Jesus rose. They had the transference of the power of resurrection operating in their physical bodies, and they used what they had, and they gained what they didn't have. They used the resurrection power to get a man unstuck, and they gained silver and gold. So use what you have, and you will gain what you don't have. You know, imagine this. Imagine this, and this is some sanctified imagination, that this crippled man who was brought to the gate beautiful by men, and dropped off there, and in the evening they came back. What if those men were taking a cut, a percentage, from the man that was stuck, the crippled man, taking a percentage of the money, his collection, in his cup? Imagine if they're taking 50%, 60%, whatever. They would have a motive for him to stay stuck, because they would begin to benefit by his brokenness. And they would actually would want him to stay stuck, because they could actually gain advantage by him being stayed stuck. I wonder, in our lives, is there anybody or any influence in our lives that has got us stuck? You see, if you're at home in, in, in the lockdown in South Africa, where you should be, if you're at home anywhere around the world in these lockdowns around the, the world, you are not stuck. You're, you may be stuck geographically, but you're not stuck supernaturally. You are being expanded into every expanding horizons of favor and fruitfulness. God is preparing you that when you come out of your so-called tomb, you come out of your confinement, you're coming out in resurrection power. You're coming out with a sharp edge and a boldness and living with eternity in mind to change the world around you. So, but imagine... They had an advantage in having this man stuck. There are religious things that have advantage in keeping us stuck. They keep us stuck to calendars. They force us externally to remember certain religious things only on certain days. But the Holy Spirit moves every day of our lives, directing us 
what to think and how to think and leading and guiding us. Amen. Come on, say amen a bit louder there. And so, <laughs> and so it, I believe that if you're going through high levels of frustration and you're feeling like, oh God, I feel stuck, I feel stuck, that's a godly feeling. If you don't feel frustrated, it means you're content with being stuck, and that's when you're dead, and you need to be raised up to break out of containment. And so, Peter, it, no matter who's trying to hold you stuck, and no matter who's frustrating you, you can't serve those people's uh, agendas on your life. You have to break out by resurrection power. And the good news is there's always a Peter and John calling you to get up. A Peter and John saying, such as we have, we give to you. And they raise you up and you come out of your stuckness. You see, when Peter and John came to the man stuck, the man thought he needed money. And some of us think we need something, but God is sending people to give us what we really need. See, if Peter and John had given the crippled man, the stuck man, money, they would have not helped the crippled man. They would have helped the men who were taking advantage of the crippled man and wanting to keep the crippled man crippled. But I say today, on Resurrection Day, in the name of Jesus, it's time for us to break out of limitations. It's time for us to break out of our frustrations. It's time for us to go to another level in the supernatural. So let's, let's get into the Scripture here and the Word of God. And I want you to know that God is taking us from glory to glory to glory. He's taking us as individuals. He's taking us as churches. He's taking us as alliances of churches, working together, apostolically connected. We are never to be stuck. We're never to become stale. We're never to stay at the same place year after year. The resurrection is to bring us from glory to glory to glory. So here we look at this, Romans chapter 4. Verse 25, it says this, And Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised from the dead for our justification. So Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised from the dead for our justification. Justification means to be declared righteous, to be declared innocent once and for all time and all eternity. I'll tell you why. Because on that cross where Jesus was delivered over for death, he took on all of first Adam's sin. He took on all the curses of the law. He took on all of our sins, past, present, and future. He was soaked and saturated with our sin. And he was cursed with the curse of the law. And he did not have to pray, Oh, Father, bring the judgment on me. Oh, Father, bring the curse on me. When he was soaked and saturated with the curse of the law and with the curse of our sins and the disobedience of first Adam that began the whole destruction of mankind, when he was cursed with that, he did not have to plead and ask God to bring the curse on him. The curse and the judgment came upon him and he gave himself for us and he was delivered over to death for our sin so when they laid him when they laid him into the grave what they laid is the son of god with a, his body soaked and saturated with our sin soaked and saturated with judgment and condemnation and the curse of the law 
and shame and our guilt. He was soaked with it. His physical body was soaked with it. And on the third day, when heaven said, and the high courts of integrity within heaven said, justice has been fulfilled. The price has been paid. The mighty resurrection power of God raised Jesus from the dead. And when he was raised from the dead, all the sin that soaked his body was obliterated and went into nothingness, into a, into a vortex and swallowed up into nothingness. So then even an omniscient God can't even remember our sins no more. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. And your sins and your lawless acts I remember no more. God never forgets anything. He's got an infallible, omniscient memory. The reason he can't remember yours and my sins, past, present, and future, he can never remember them again. It's because they are not accessible anywhere in the universe for the resurrection power of God who raised Jesus' body from the dead, obliterated the sin and the curse and the sickness and the judgment that he was delivered over to death for. So he was then raised and all sin was obliterated. All our sin was obliterated. And he was raised from the dead for our justification so that we are now righteous innocent in the eyes of God. Now, here's the thing. Jesus imputed righteousness to you in the resurrection. He imputed freedom from all guilt, from all shame, from all feelings of dishonor, from feelings of fear of rejection. He imputed that to us freely in the resurrection. But you know what? If we impute sin to ourselves, if we impute condemnation to ourselves. We are arguing against the cross and the resurrection. When we, say, when we say, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough, we are imputing sin to ourselves when God has already imputed it on Jesus and obliterated that sin in the resurrection. And you see, medical science tells us, and over and over again, as the research has got further and further, that every cell in the human body, every cell, communicates with every other cell. And when we say we are bad, we are not good, we are condemned, when we impute sin to ourselves and shame to ourselves and guilt to ourselves and we allow other people to impute it to us and we agree with them, then we are being stuck. There are people who are getting benefit out of our brokenness and they are holding us in a religious tradition and a pattern that is frustrating us and arguing and disagreeing with the mighty power of the crucifixion and the mighty power of the resurrection that justified us. Ourselves, when they hear us imputing to ourselves judgment and sin and shame, our body cells do not know any better. They begin to listen to our conviction. They begin to hear and spread to every other cell in the body. This guy thinks he's ungodly that he's sinful, that he should be condemned, that he should be judged. And the cells, in their connection with each other, begin to say, we better get a, we need to give him what he wants. Let's, get him, let's give him autoimmune disease. Let's give him chronic fatigue. Let's give him all kinds of burnout. Let's give him all kinds of terrible confusions and anxieties and breakdowns. That's what happens, even though the cross happened. 
even though the resurrection happened. There are so many believers stuck because some hidden agenda has some benefit in our brokenness and wants to frustrate the plan of God. And so when we start agreeing, hey, Jesus was delivered over to death for my sin, and he was raised from the dead for my justification. I believe I'm righteous all the time. I don't care. I made a mistake. I'll apologize to the person, but I'm not living with judging myself all the time, condemning myself. When we declare we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, all the cells in our body begin to say, hey, this guy believes he's righteous. Hey, this lady believes she's the righteousness of God all the time, eternally, and throughout time. They believe they're righteous. Then every cell starts saying, let's give them what they want. Let's bless them. Let's boost the immune system. Let's have an effect on their mortal body. And the Holy Spirit says, yes, that's what I want to do as well. I'm going to boost them, and I'm going to give them youth renewal, I'm going to give them energy, and I'm going to give them high-level immunity, and I'm going to clothe them with power from on high. Romans 8, verse 11, powerful. It says, if the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, then the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. Do you understand that that means that your mortal body is vibrating and resonating with the immortal life of Christ? See, Romans 8 verse 1 says, There's therefore now, everybody wherever you are say, now. There's therefore now. There's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation. Now. No condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. It didn't say when you get to heaven, there'll be no condemnation. It didn't say one day when you're good enough and you break some habits, there'll be no condemnation. It says there is now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. And the word no there in the Greek means there's absolutely no possibility of condemnation ever being upon the one that is in Christ Jesus. I tell you, if the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and you agree with the gift of righteousness, and every cell in your body is communicating, yes, I am righteous, I tell you, the Holy Spirit will give life to your mortal body. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm preaching something so far-fetched and so foreign and alien to the drudgery and routine of, the, of mundane life. But I'm telling you that this was before Peter and John had prayed. They weren't prayed up. They were on their way to pray. And they met the man stuck, the cripple. And they said, such as we have, we give to you. They knew that resurrection was not a day. It wasn't a calendar day. Yes, Jesus died on a day, and he rose on the third day. And there was a day of resurrection. But from that day onwards, the apostles and the writers of the New Testament do not emphasize the day. They emphasize the effect of resurrection power on the believer's daily life on this planet. And in the time that I have left in this message, I want to take you into a escalation and an elevation to see 
the potential and the power that the church will come through this coronavirus and we are prepared for a future time when, if the, when the next wave tries to come or these other things try to shake this earth that we will not be stuck at a level that we may have been stuck as a church for many, many years for we are coming out. And in the new covenant, there is no condemnation if you are not walking in the fullness of the resurrection power. I don't know one believer at this stage that's walking in the fullness of resurrection power. In fact, I'm really glad that I don't know one believer that is walking in the fullness of the resurrection power. Because what is happening on the earth today, if this is the fullness of the resurrection power, then the cross wasn't that fantastic and the resurrection wasn't that dramatic. Because I know that what Peter and James were able to do, Peter and John, it was not because of their prayer life. It was not because of their holiness. They said, this man stands before you whole, not because of our holiness or our power, but by faith in the name of Jesus. And they used the word Jesus of Nazareth, saying the one exalted to heaven is still the Jesus of Nazareth. And they operated in resurrection power. And they were only the beginning. We're living at the climax and the consummation of the ages. And the church at the end of the age cannot get stuck in dark age traditions. There are so many things I'd like to talk about. How, how much we have still pulled dark age traditions into what are even called grace churches or free churches. And I can tell you that the Lord in these days is going to open up to us the revelation that Jesus was delivered over to death for our sin. And he was raised from the dead for our justification. We need to see that Jesus is Lord of death. And he said, Paul says in Romans 10, verse 9, he says, If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It didn't say if you confess that Jesus is Lord and you believe he died on the cross. It did not say that. It said if you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is the resurrection that our salvation ultimately comes from. The resurrection is proof that the work of the cross was successful and heaven was pleased. And so I'm saying, let the word of God, let the new covenant shape us and renew us and change and deliver us from dark ages traditions that have advantages and agendas to benefit from our brokenness, to benefit from us getting stuck. These are Peter and a John coming to you today and saying, rise up and walk. Get out of your stuck place. You can actually move into a greater prayer life. You can move into a higher level of the supernatural. You can step out. Don't be condemned if you fail. Get up and go for it. Get ready for when the lockdown is over. Get ready to step into business with new ideas and entrepreneurial, exciting ideas, resurrection ideas. Get ready to prosper and be blessed. Get ready for signs and wonders and miracles beyond what we've ever seen before. So I don't want to be stuck, and I don't want to just celebrate the miracles of the past. Yes, Glendon, I've seen numbers of people completely crippled, on their way to the grave, doctors saying, absolutely no hope of living. And Glenn and I stood and looked at them and seen them come out of those graves, out of those graves, that's coming, come out of those, out of those wheelchairs, shocking doctors, going on national television, secular news 
in nations. Newspapers, because people came out of their wheelchairs when Glenda and I prayed for them. This is not something that I want to just repeat in the future. There's a greater level. If I stay on that level, I'm stuck. Whatever level you're on, don't condemn yourself. Whatever level you think is the highest level, it's not. It's still the lowest level. God has much, much more for you and for me. And let the Word of God shape your future. Don't let your bad experiences from the past shape your now. Don't get stuck. There's a greater world in the resurrection power to be experienced every day. So let me ask you this question. Oh, I'm speaking to you by faith. I wish I could be here running down the aisles, hugging you, running in your homes, hugging you and hearing you uh, embracing me and saying hello and excited. But I'm just preaching to an empty hall. I'm standing in front of technology and people working with the technology and watching all the dials. And they're not even saying amen and noticing me. And now they're laughing about it. And Glenn is sitting over there in the corner. (laughs) Uh, and Kayla's translating into Chinese in the other room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I want to say, how do we actually get insight into how much is in the power of the resurrection that is for us? Say, for us, for us. Well, I love to read the Scripture, and we could normally read the Scripture, but my greatest way of reading the Scripture is bringing the Scripture out of my heart because it's an indelible photograph of the Scripture inside my heart. When Jesus walked the streets, He didn't have the Scriptures. In fact, very few people had the Scriptures. In fact, only the synagogues had a Scripture, and that's where He read from the Scripture. But when He walked the streets and preached, He didn't say, open to Isaiah 61. Nobody had Scripture in those days, only the scribes. And they were, they were having to write them and keep them hidden away. And so the first century church, full of signs and wonders and miracles, they didn't have Scripture. They didn't have the Old Covenant. It was in the synagogue. They couldn't open the Scripture. They didn't have the New Testament. It was only written about 40 years after Christ was raised from the dead. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And later on, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, make a habit of reading the Scriptures publicly. Why did he have to read the Scriptures publicly? Because no one in the church had Scriptures to read at home. They didn't have Scripture in their homes. So, so Timothy had got a Scripture, and that was Paul's letter. And he was reading Paul's letter publicly because if that was the only time they'd hear Scripture, he couldn't say, go home and study your Bibles. They didn't have Bibles. Yet they had signs and wonders and miracles. And I feel like we've let the Word of God not become the power that carries resurrection. We haven't let the Word of God make an indelible imprint on the inside of us. We have listened to the traditions of men and we've made the Word of God like a Bible study for academic cerebral ideas that we then celebrate, you know, certain religious calendars. Not most of the people that we're involved in, but it is so prevalent still today. So I want to read the Scriptures to you from my heart. And I want you to see in these verses, twice, Paul the Apostle says that the resurrection was for you, for you, And both times, he's not talking about when you get to heaven. He's talking about the power available to walk in this life now. Can you say amen? And so here's the scripture. I'm reading it now. I can read it. 
with my eyes closed because I'm reading it from where the scripture should be in our hearts. In Ephesians chapter 1, and the only way you're going to know the power of God is by getting it by revelation, by revelation, by revelation. When you get it by revelation, that revelation is an invitation for you to encounter the power of the resurrection upon your mortal body. So he says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15 to verse 23, he says to the Ephesians, Ever since I heard of your faith in Jesus and of your love for one another, I have not stopped praying for you. I pray that the glorious Father of the Lord Jesus Christ will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. The word know him better is the word epignosos, which means that you will experience the Father deeper. And I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened or the eyes of your heart be Open. That word opened or enlightened is the Greek word photisma, which means a flash of intense light that makes an indelible impression on you forever and ever for the rest of your life. We in modern times from the word photisma, we get the English word photograph. He's saying that I pray that the eyes, come on, every church involved you, every person listening to this, I pray that the eyes of your heart be photisma. I pray that a flash of indelible light will imprint into your innermost being an indelible wisdom and deep experience of what I'm about to say from the Scripture. I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened, that you may know, epignosis again, experience the hope of your calling. Now, Paul's going to going to explain two things that are the hope of their calling. And if he's saying to them, unless the eyes of your heart are opened and there's fortisma and there's illumination and there's revelation and experience of this, he said, it's just meaningless. It's just religious traditions that keep us stuck. So he says, yeah, he says, the hope of your calling. He says, here's the first hope of your calling. He said that you would know the riches, the riches of God's glorious inheritance in you. In other words, you, every church there, every individual there, you, by revelation in your heart, you need to know and experience, you are God's riches. You are the pearl of great price that he gave everything for. You are the glorious inheritance of our Father. You need to know that. We talk about receiving an inheritance from the Father, but the Scripture says, let your eyes be opened, not these eyes, these eyes in your heart, that you may know the hope of your calling, that you are the riches of His glorious inheritance. And then he says the second one, and he says, and by revelation, by fortisma, internal image, an indelible imprint of light on the inside of you, not another Bible study in your head, indelible light flash on the inside of you that you will know the power that is towards and for you. This power is like the incomparable mighty strength, Paul says, that he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and sat him in the heavenly realms, far above principalities, powers, dominions, 
and names and titles, not only in this age, but in the age to come, and has put all things under the feet of Jesus, and made Jesus to be the head of all things for you, for the church, which is his body that fills everything in every way and with the fullness of Christ. So we were not put under the feet of Jesus in the resurrection. Everything else was put under his feet for us so that we're seated with him and we're walking in the miraculous power of his resurrection. That's what we need revelation for. In Acts chapter 4, verse 33, when the apostles, it says they testified with great power to the resurrection of Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. You see, when we testify, not to a day, not to a moment, not to a calendar, when we testify in the power of the resurrection, when we talk about the resurrection under the power of the resurrection, great grace comes upon the whole church. So, let me close with this. Uh, I, I think it's pretty pertinent to speak about this. Now, seen these number of South Africans listening to this. I'm so glad the Zulus are there as well. Hey, Zulus and Chinese and Filipinos and all kind of O's are here today. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck. Keep climbing in the elevation of the supernatural power of the resurrection. Amen? You get stuck in Afrikaans, stukkend. Stukkend. An army in the Wehrmacht but a storing is. A storing is when your rifle gets stuck. When your rifle gets stuck, you cannot deal with your enemy. And your enemy will take you out. You can't get stuck. You have to move on. Don't let people keep you stuck because they are benefiting from your brokenness. There's a Peter and a John by the Spirit calling you out of being stuck. And they know what they have to give you is what you need now. And then the other things will come later and come quickly. There's a man by the name of John G. Lake that he was an American and uh, he got, he became a believer late in his life. And uh, when I say late, I mean he was in his late 20s, but he was a professional. He was a lawyer and he became a believer and he got stuck in the traditions of men. And so many people in his, he had a very large family as they did in those days. We're talking about 1900s, early 1900s. Many people in his family died. He lost sisters and brothers to sickness and disease. And he just felt confused, and he didn't know what to do. Maybe he was stuck. And, and the religious traditions were telling them that God took these people, and it's God who killed them. Even people saying God's judging the world with the coronavirus. What a lie against our loving Father. Jesus healed everybody. He never said to anyone, keep your disease. My father gave it to you to judge you for your sin. No, Jesus was delivered over to death for our sin and raised from the dead for our justification. And the father's never going to contradict what happened on the cross and in the resurrection. And so he got so confused, like many Christians today, and he began to cry out to God, God, help me. And God sent him Peter's and John's. God sent him some great men and women of faith. You know, there's some mighty men and women of faith who walk the earth today. And you get around them, and there'll be an anointing that comes off them, and you'll be activated to step up to the next level in the resurrection power of God. And so he learned from men like Alexander Dowie and many, many others who, who wonder-working ministries. And he, 
The, the amazing thing is that Jesus didn't say apostles and prophets will do, you know, the miracles I'm doing and even greater works. He said, anyone who believes in me will do these miracles. Anyone that's in Christ, anyone that's in the resurrection power of God, anyone who agrees with the gift of righteousness is mine. And so he began to step out into great and greater miracles and then relocated to South Africa in around 1905, trained an apostolic team on how to work with the power of God, move in the power of God. They planted 500 churches in five years, staggering, astonishing, in a time of extreme separation of black and white. And in that time, his churches were black and white. They were mixed. They were joined together. He had an apostolic team of black and white leaders, and they just moved through South Africa. They raised the dead. They did signs and wonders and miracles. And around this time in South Africa, um, I, you can Google it, you can get the exact date, but it's around 1905, 1905, somewhere around there. The bubonic plague hit South Africa, and the bubonic plague was a horrific plague, highly contagious. There was no medicine for it in South Africa. It was still in the UK, no airplanes to bring the medicine, and so it was taking months to come there by ship. And so entire villages, it's well documented, entire villages in South Africa all died. Everyone died. People were dead in their beds. People were dead in the fields. They all died, and there was no one to bury them. So John G. Lake and his team went into those villages and places and began to bury the dead. And eventually doctors found out, and they came rushing onto the scene and said, are you guys crazy? Do you know how infectious this is? This is terrible. What are you doing here? And John G. Lake, most people that I know that seem to get filled with God become quite eccentric people, uh, good people, stable people, but they, they're characters. And so what he did is he, he just took a, a, like a panel or something or a stick, and he, and he just took spittle out of a man's mouth with a stick, which is highly contagious, and put it onto the doctor's microscope. And they looked in the microscope at the spittle, and they could see the bubonic plague, very much alive, deadly, deadly, deadly. And they were sh shocked at how virulent it was. And then John G. Lake took that spit in his hands and held it in his hands. And the doctor said, what are you doing? And he held this virulent disease, contagious disease, bubonic plague in his hands for a couple of minutes. And then he said, okay, and he put it back under the microscope. And when the doctors looked at the microscope, they were shocked. They said, sir, you are a phenomena. And he said, well, what are you talking about? And they said, sir, all the bubonic plague has died. It's no longer active. It's dead. You're a phenomena, sir. And John G. Lake said, I am not a phenomena. He said, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me and the spirit that raised Christ from the dead gives life to my mortal body. I tell you, that man, now if you've never been in that and never experienced that, don't try to pretend you're there. Don't take a blind leap of false faith. But believe that you can go on and on and higher and higher. John G. Lake went back to America, opened healing schools in Spokane, opened up supernatural trained people how to move in the supernatural. 
and the government of the United States declared Spokane to be the most healthy city in America. I tell you, when we come out of this time in this virus, the church is going to come out flowing in miracle power. And we're going to have, like this area of Saikung we live in, let me tell you, there's going to be rumors and there's going to be stories of revival and the power of God in this city affecting every house in this city because where the people of God is, there's transformation in that community. And, and John G. Lake would often challenge scientists and unbelievers, atheists. He'd say, bring any sick, the worst case you can find, bring them into the city hall, the town hall. Let the public come and witness. And you challenge me, and I'll come and I'll pray for those sick. And he'd walk up to people he'd never known with advanced sickness, and he would curse the sickness, and he'd rebuke the sickness. And sometimes when he laid his hands on people for three or four days afterwards, there was a burn mark in the shape of his hand because so much power was coming out of his hand that they would leave an indentation and a burn mark. And, and people were often so overawed and, and absolutely shocked at how many, like if five deadly cases, often four would walk or be instantly healed. It shut the mouths of the, of, the, of the atheists, the unbelievers, and the scientists. Why? Because he just didn't get stuck. John G. Lake did not begin there. Neither do we. He began with many of his family dying from sickness, but he kept growing. He didn't get stuck. So I want to read to you something that I wrote uh, in in my book, and, and this is closing, that I want you to, I want you to uh, hear this and hear it with grace. Don't feel frightened by this. Don't feel this is extreme or weird. I want you to have a vision of this because when the next thing comes, and whatever it is, the church will be at a different level because we're not going to get stuck. This coronavirus is precipitating us out of a pattern and a re- repetition where it doesn't take faith. We are moving to another level in the supernatural. And I wrote this book nine years ago, and I was writing it for this time. I was writing it to prepare God's people for this time in the middle of this coronavirus. We're not ready for it the way I prophesy in this book, but we're going to get through this. And what I write about in this book, Invading the Impossible, many, many churches are going to be ready for the next challenge that comes. And so I've written you on page 17. I've written you, the more you hear, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The more you will encounter Christ and the power of the resurrection at a higher level. Do not settle for a low level. The day is coming when the hospitals, the day is coming, wrote this nine years ago. The day is coming when the hospitals will not be able to cater for the patients. Medical science will not be able to cope with the diseases and viruses coming on this planet. I thank God for medical science, and I thank God for hospitals. But the church needs to position itself with resurrection power flowing through our bodies so that in the midst of the plagues we can walk unaffected, Raising the dead, healing the sick, and emptying out hospitals. If you've got vision, if you can get revelation from what I said about Ephesians 1, the incomparable great power that exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead is for us. If you can get revelation, 
what that operation of power will be seen on this earth. We declare we will see it, definitely see it in Hong Kong. We definitely will see it in Hong Kong. And I declare with and agree with you, you will definitely see it in South Africa, where South Africa saw it in John G. Lake for five years operating. You will see even greater than what John G. Lake ever saw. So can you say, Amen. Too many Christians are sitting on the planet. Too many Christians, sadly. I'm saying this lovingly, okay? Too many Christians sitting on the planet, wrapped up with such easy access to doctors and medical science and all kinds of social security. They don't understand the shaking with which God is going to shake the nations. The nations will be shaken, but in the midst of the shaking, there will also be the glory of God coming on the earth and covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. There are many people who have been positioned and who know their God will do mighty exploits in these last days. Now, this book carries the genetics and the DNA on the inside of me that God has developed for 40 years of the supernatural. And it prepares people to invade the impossible. And I'm prepared for City Church people uh, to give everyone a free copy of this, only on one condition, that you read it immediately and you read it and you underline it. It's full of the Word of God and it's full of revelation. It will equip you better than you can imagine. You know, there's a, there's a church, uh, and I know Sean Basson, dear friend who's been to Hong Kong, many of you have seen him at City Church, got a great, great church in, in Cape Town, a, a very powerful church, full of the glory of God. He's, run a, he's running a whole Bible school course that's taken totally from this book, Invading the Impossible. Most people in City Church, you have not read this book, Invading the Impossible. It would have been great if you could have read it before this coronavirus. But I can tell you that what is coming, we're going to be ready for it. If you read through this book and study it, you will be equipped to invade the impossible. It's for free. If you want it, when we get together, or I can get it to you before we get together, we'll do that. But it's for free. And if you can't read in English, then you can get an English-speaking person to help you interpret it for you. But you see, if you want to have the DNA of this house, the supernatural heartbeat of this house, you need to read this book because it's true to Scripture and it's true to the vision on our heart. Okay, so Father, why don't you just lift your hands where you are right now. And Lord, I thank you that across South Africa and across Hong Kong where people are spread around these two nations and people from other nations who are are logging on and listening online and people that will log on and listen to the recording in, in the next days and weeks. I pray today, Father, that the impartation of your word, the anointing of resurrection life, the supernatural Lord would activate in us almost like a supernatural presence and an encounter as the man that was stuck had when Peter and John came and said, such as I have, such as we have, we give to you. Lord, I pray right now that there would be miracles take place in people's homes, in their bedrooms, in their lounges, wherever they are, that the power of God would come. I just see ribs being lined up and the vertebrae, and I just see shoulders being lifted up, and I can see pain in the back of the neck, and people can move. Skeletal frame has been supernaturally touched by resurrection life right now. 
I see like people who've suffered uh, migraine headaches, which is a terrible thing, and they keep going for years and years. I declare cessation of that and stopping of that. Miracles, tumors go in Jesus' name. Lumps in bodies disappear in the authority of Jesus' name. Ears be healed. Eyes be opened. Eyes be supernaturally touched by the power of God. Sugar diabetes, we declare, God, burn that out of your body by the power of God. Such as I have, I give to you the supernatural power. I decree you free from being stuck because others are taking advantage of you. Your days of frustration are coming to an end as you courageously stand up and say, I will not live under control or religious traditions anymore or legalism. Declare you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Even now, if you've never believed on the Lord Jesus, confess Jesus as Lord. Believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. And this is your hour. This day you get saved. You don't have to confess your sins. You need to confess Jesus as Lord. Say, Lord, yes, I have sinned, but I can't remember them. But Jesus is Lord. Lord over death. And I believe in my heart. God raised him from the dead. Even now, if you want, lift your hands wherever you are. Lord, let the breath of heaven come. Let the anointing of your fire, let the glory of your presence come supernaturally. Lord, raise up an army of healers. Raise up a ministry in every human, every believer in Christ. No condemnation, freedom, righteous in Christ. Raise up resurrection power. Let it rise up, Lord God. Let it not be something just remembered on a day, but Lord God, let it be something that adjusts and shifts the destiny of nations. Let it shift the future of nations. Even this one simple message preached in, 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 in a sterile setting without any laughing, shouting people. But I declare, Lord, let this change the course of history. This one message through many, many, many people getting free from being stuck and moving to another level in the supernatural in Jesus' name. And no condemnation when we fail. No condemnation if you pray for someone and they die. Just keep moving on for we're going to see awesome things when you come out of confinement, when you come out of the time of being house arrested in shutdown. You're coming out in resurrection power in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for listening. I don't know how long it was but I think my beard grew a bit longer while I was talking. But God bless you. See you. Have a great, great day.